When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald and John McMullen. Here we go, here we go! Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go! Let's go! Go! I'm pretty sure we're going to get punched up here in a second. There no. we are. The Mac and Mac guys on Birds 365. John McMullen and Jody McDonald. J-Mac, you ready for a weekend? Is this going to actually be an Eagle weekend? Are they actually going to do some practicing or at least some drills? Yeah, who knows? Weekend? It's going to rain, Jody. <laughs> that, could, that, could, uh, that could affect everything. They're, they're, they're going to run around. They're going to run around in T-shirts and shorts. Nice. Uh, might be in the bubble, but they're going to do some running around. Which well, the be, rookies, the rookies, uh, right? So uh, let's start right there. They've got a handful of rookies, not enough to play an eleven-eleven football game. But, yeah, well, you uh, can't do football drills anyway, so that fixes that out. So what exactly do they do? A uh, lot of uh, conditioning, a lot of drills, a lot of individual, you know, working with the position coaches. So you'll see the quarterbacks throw the football a little bit, you know. But wouldn't that receiver. be considered a football drill? Well, I meant team drills. I should be specific, you know, 11 on 11, you were saying, and and you don't, but. They don't have uh, enough guys to do 11 on 11, even if it was allowable. But yeah, even if it was, if they did, it wouldn't be allowable. So that helps with rookie camp, at least, when you have those numbers. But, you know, the undrafted guys, there'll be some tryout players there. Um, yeah, Penn State kid is coming in, power forward on the basketball team, to try to try out as a tight end. Um, you know, and it's, it's a... Um, kick off to every football season used to be three days uh now it's two days <laughs> that's everything is like everything else like everything else is scaled back 
and uh, less work. But, you know, I, I, I do talk about the offseason all the time. Look, I've been on this camp for years and years and years. It's not important uh, for the veteran players. Um, well, you know, there's a lot of hand-wringing across the country when somebody doesn't show up for voluntary work or what have you. And, you know, people say, you got to be in, you got to be in. I, as long as you keep yourself in shape as a veteran player, that's all they're worried about. It's not really impactful for them. I do think it is impactful for the young players, though. Just, you know, to get uh, geared up in the system, to get the terminology, to start understanding. And by the way, from a human perspective, just to get comfortable. It's a sure. new job, and most of these kids are moving from different places into Philadelphia just to get some normalcy and to get some – everybody can identify with that. Everybody's had a new job, and the anxiety creates, and, you know, sometimes you got to move for a job, and you don't know the city or the, the, the place you're going, and it's uncomfortable. So that's one of those things that not a lot of people think about. It's very, very real. And then, you know, you're talking basically very young kids as well, you know, have to do this. Um, so I do think it is important, the offseason program for rookie players. I, I always have. It's funny that you say people don't think about it. <clears throat> Excuse me, because I was thinking about it just yesterday. Did the Eagles help these young men? I want to call them kids because they're kids uh, compared to you and I, uh, but they're <laughs> – they're professionals and they're going to be out there playing in the national football league next year. If they're good enough to make it. Uh, but you're right. They're 20 something year old kids coming in from in some places, the other side of the country. They don't know the city of Philadelphia. They probably they've lived in dorms or their parents' house. Chances are up until this point. Now they have to find quote unquote housing for themselves did the Eagles help out with that? Do they have somebody oh, yeah. who works oh, yeah. with them and helps them find a rental or a hotel or whatever? How does how do most of these kids uh, do find living over uh, this summer leading up to the season when they find out if they did or didn't make the Philadelphia Eagles of their practice squad? Well, they do have, you know, they, they, again, it's, yeah, they help. Uh, that's the short answer. But, uh, and obviously they do have a team hotel um, that shall rename nameless. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's different stages. Obviously, veteran players are, you know, if you're making a lot of money, if you're Hassan Reddick and Hassan's from the area anyway, uh, you don't need as much help. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of players like the undrafted guys coming in. They're not looking for places yet. They're mm -hmm. just going to stay at the team hotel and they get shuttled back and forth to the Novacare complex every day. Uh, but there are some, uh, complexes the Eagles steer young players toward. Uh, one is very close to the Novacare complex. So, yeah, they 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 help out and they realize, and every team realizes, that's one of those things you have to do because, yeah, I mean, you can imagine if you're coming from Texas and, hey, you're plopped down in South Philadelphia and now go find a place to live at 22, you're not going to know, know what to do. So yeah, that's a very important part of the process. All right. So a bunch of drills that the young guys will be going through over the next couple of days. And, and I think the point you made was dead on that. Do I actually think someone will become a better football player because of these next two days? Probably not. 
maybe somebody picks up on something, but uh, that that's not the main reason that they have this two-day get-together. It's to kind of indoctrinate yourself into the Philadelphia Eagles and your teammates. You don't know any of the teammates. You don't know anybody when you come in. Maybe you get lucky. There's one guy you played against. Jordan Davis, Nicobe Dean. They know each other. That that does, by the way, that makes it a lot more comfortable if you go to a place with one of your college teammates or somebody you're very, very close to. So, yeah, I wouldn't downplay that. That's That's very important. Well, it's cool to have somebody going through the same thing as you um, as opposed to somebody who's just uh, what I just mentioned is just plopping in, doesn't know anybody. So um, yeah, that's helpful as well. Um, And it worked last year for the Eagles. Uh, You know, I think the more important part is the talent, Alabama, uh, Georgia, but you know, it helps to have that, that comfort level with somebody. SEC guys coming to town not usually a bad thing, a good thing. And this year it's Georgia guys. Last year it was Alabama guys. Let me ask you about Nicobe Dean because we know he was drafted in the third round. Shoot, I said right here on Birds 365 way back when. Way back when, what was it, about a month ago? When the Eagles had all three of their draft picks before they did the deal with the Saints that I wanted to see them use one of them on Nicobe Dean. I thought he was that good a player that, all right, you fill your couple of needs, you're still at 19, You can break that uh, all the way back to Jerry Robinson's scheme of never picking a linebacker in the first round, which, oh, by the way, he had another year because McCoby Dean was not picked in the first round. He was not picked in the second round. He was picked in the third round. Now I'm projecting and predicting he goes out and plays like a first rounder. He's far and away going to be the most productive Philadelphia Eagle rookie in his first year, is he not? I guess that depends on definition. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like Georgia. I'd start with number of snaps played. Um, no, nah, I don't. I well, as we always do, we have to put on the caveat of uh, injuries. But I, I, I don't think he's going to come in and start right away. You don't? Um, I don't. What one one for potentially for health reasons? Plus, the Eagles have pretty good linebackers for the first time in the history of the world. I think not, obviously we talked about Jerry Robinson. I'm exaggerating. He was a pro bowl player, but it's been a while since they've had, and they've had great linebackers, Bill Berge, Seth Joyner, the most obvious one, obvious ones, but you know, recent history, they haven't done a lot at that particular position. And if they didn't draft Nicobe Dean, let's say, you know, they drafted Cam Jergens and he won, uh, 50, 52, uh, because the Eagles wanted both. They were right there. They were juggling between both. Um, and he wasn't here. I would still say the Eagles are, are better at linebacker than they have been over the past five, six years. Um, TJ Edwards is, is a player I like personally, um, probably a little bit more than most people. And then Kaiser White, uh, I think, is sort of the modern NFL linebacker. Uh, was a safety rover type player in college at West Virginia. Very athletic, very fast, very coverage oriented. And I would have been fine with that. Um, and and I do think there's going to be, I don't know if there's going to be a red shirt, but I but I did I bring this I brought this up when the Eagles drafted Nicobe and how he said he's going to be out there. He's going to be out there, and that means today. And I do expect him to be out there. 
but he left open that open. We'll do a double check. <laughs> you know, he left that open as far as uh, the medical stuff. And again, I've said pretty consistently, I don't care about the pack. I don't care. If he has surgery, if, if he comes in, they, that, that recheck says, yeah, you probably should have surgery. And he's out for six or eight months. I don't even care. I, it, it's not uh, an injury that's going to affect him long term, uh, but it is going to uh, affect his ability to play early this season. So you put that on top of that potential on top of the fact that he, he's got to beat out Kaiser White. Um, and he might, but I, I don't think he will early in his career. Now, if we're talking 2023, yeah. I think he's going to be on the field, and I'm fine with that. You think he's going? You think he's going to not be competing with Edwards? I like Edwards, and Edwards had a really good year. Shoot, I was the guy here on Birds 365 who, two weeks before they gave him the extension, said, "Shouldn't they be talking about an extension?" Doesn't he at the fifty Howie Roseman mode of when to extend a guy with what kind of production you're getting? So. I, I kind of feel bad that uh, TJ Edwards could get squeezed out, but that's the guy who's spot on the field. He's going to be taken. Is it not? Well, yeah. I don't know about that. I, I mean, one of the things with Nicobe, one of the reasons why I didn't think he'd go in the first round, even if he's healthy as size and, you know, five eleven, uh, you know, 225 pound middle linebacker. I, you know, I, that's kind of small. You got to have somebody defend in the run. I always say, you know, it's May, Jody. I always say we're in May, so we got to change it. Um, nobody cares about the running game yet, and they won't, and they won't for a while. But you need somebody out there to run support. We could talk about this Eagles team. It, Kaiser White, Hassan Reddick, um, all these undersized pieces, which are very athletic, and that part of it's great. But again, December football outdoors, bad weather, which doesn't happen very often. I don't want to uh, overstate it, but you got to have somebody. Now, Jordan Davis is going to be a big part of that as well, obviously, right smack dab in the middle. He's going to be the biggest part of it, the potential improvement. But I, he, he strikes me as a will linebacker, and that's Kaiser White's uh, role. Um, yeah, but he, we'll see. He smacks me as a middle linebacker. And, yes, is he slightly undersized for – quote-unquote, today's middle linebacker in the NFL. A little bit. An inch or two? Ten pounds? I really don't think that's that big a deal. And as far as his injuries go, this is now starting to officially annoy me. Did he not play the entire national championship game? Did he not play straight through the end of Georgia's season? Was he not not on the field when they beat Alabama to win the championship? Was he hurt? Was he standing on the sidelines? I don't remember any of that. Did, did any of that go down, John? Well, I, I mean, if you if you want to play devil's advocate, Jody, I mean, it's it's wonderful that you play through aches and pains, but that doesn't mean the aches and pains don't exist. Um, you know, I'd rather have a guy play aches through pain, aches and pains as per who, him or someone else. Well, I, I, I mean, there are, and, and Howie Roseman admitted, look, teams were concerned about his medical. These are doctors. I'm not a doctor. I mean, these are doctors. 
who are telling their organizations that maybe, you know, certainly you don't want to take them here. You know, maybe there, there could be some degenerative stuff. There's, there could be some concern. You know, Mike Kay brought somebody up yesterday, Miles Jack, who I don't know if you remember when Miles was coming out of UCLA, he had a lot of hype, um, potential top 10 pick, one of the best players. A lot of people called him the, the, the best pure football player in the draft, like we called Kyle Hamilton uh, this year. A lot of hype. And he ended up going early in the second round because of a, a degenerative knee condition. Um, so, I mean, those things, and, and he's played a long time. Um, I'm not saying it's a death sentence, but, and, and, and how he said, look, I mean, yes, when he was pressed, he said, yes, other teams thought there were issues. So are the Eagles right? Hopefully. Are the other teams wrong? Hopefully. But I think to ignore it is Which, probably let, not a good... Let, let me ask you a question here. Other teams thought there were issues. When the draft was over and done with and the Kobe Dean became a Philadelphia Eagle, did Howie pick up the phone and touch base with all other teams around the National Football League and go, hey, we just took the Kobe Dean. Why wouldn't you guys draft him earlier? How is he determining that other teams had these medical questions about him, or is he just speculating? Well, he talks to teams all the time. I think he's got a good beat on what other teams thinking. I He doesn't want to admit that that's an issue, that that was an issue. Um, but he did. I think that that tells you something. Uh, he did leave it open-ended, and I told you the day after. I said, read the transcript. And he said, we'll, we'll do a recheck. Um, he did leave the door slightly ajar. Um, I don't – look, Jody, I know you like the player, but I do think it's it, – it's, we'd be lying to the listeners if we said there weren't other teams that had medical questions about N'Kobe Dean. Yeah, and to yeah. say Howie Roseman, of all people, is speculating – I think is wrong. He knows what other teams think. He's not just, I mean, why would he say that if, 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 if there wasn't concerns and by the way, why would the kid drop into the third round? If there wasn't concerns, John, I, I'm, I'm not suggesting that other teams didn't have medical questions about him. I'm saying, I don't know that Howie Roseman knew. I think he's trying to put two to two and two together and come up with four. That he had, they had him ranked. As you just said, Howie wrote himself. One thing you can't debate is he said this for fact, not for uh, maybe. They thought about taking him in the second round, in the 50s, rather than in the 80s. Uh, either he's lying or you believe him, and I believe him on that one. So he ended up going in the 80s. So there has to be a reason for that. So Howie is, in my estimation, speculating that other teams had medical questions about him. So did the Eagles. At one point, when they got on the board in the third round, they said, all right, you put it on the scale. Questions versus value. When value out tips questions, then you pull the name on the player and you select them. So well, Howie, and I think, and, 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 he got a general manager on the phone two days after the draft. He said, why the hell you didn't take the Kobe Dean? Oh, let me send you our medicals on him. I don't believe that happened. And by the way, uh, he he also said that he thought people were going to start thinking about taking him. 
So that's one of the reasons they took him where they took him. Yeah, but if you're if you're going to ask me, Jody, which is which is the truth? Uh, the Eagles had fifty one. Uh, uh, Cam Jurgens was one A, and 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 the Kobe Dean was one B. Versus other teams had medical questions on 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 Nicobe Dean. If you're going to ask me which one was Howie telling the truth on, I'm going to say the second one more than the first one. Uh, more than oh, we magically got. I'm surprised Grant Calcaterra wasn't 53 on the board and Kyron Johnson wasn't 52. Oh, we got everybody we wanted. That's something you always hear from from NFL general managers. That's general manager speak. There were concerns, and there are other reporters, who are, and especially in New York, because Joe Shane is the one who at least probably went a little bit farther than he should have. Um, I mean, I don't know what to, I can't make you believe it, but there were concerns by other teams. And all we can do at this point is hope the Eagles are correct and hope the other teams are wrong. But that happens all the time. Happened with DJ Metcalf. The Eagles were wrong. Seattle was correct. Seattle went with the direction. It happens all the time. But when you see players like that talent drop, it's nearly always medical related. We saw it last year with JOK in Cleveland. It's one of the best players in the draft. We're like, what the hell's going on? Why isn't this kid going? He ends up in the second round. By the way, he ends up as one of the best players in the draft, at least early in his career after after his rookie season. This kind of stuff happens all the time, Jody. I, I, uh, so John, I don't John, know. I understand. Uh, the, the other question about him was size, and you've already brought that, brought that up here today. You don't know that he can be a middle linebacker in the league because he's only 5'11", and he's only 228 pounds, whatever his weight is. I'll look at the player. I'm not going to get caught up in size and an inch and a half and 14 pounds that that's what the prototypic average uh, linebacker is in the NFL. I think this kid's got skills that negate the undersized aspect of his body. And who's to say, I, I don't think he's going to be growing much at age 21, but who's to say he can't put on 10 more pounds of muscle. Now that he's in the National Football League, well, I've, I've, I've compared him to a guy I used to cover named Ed McDaniel, who was five foot eleven, was a great linebacker for a long time. And people don't, you know, it's not a name that people are going unless they remember Wahoo McDaniel's name was also Ed. But but I digress. But um, I, I'm not saying he can't be a great player. Uh, and actually, you're. You know, it's probably better for him to be a middle linebacker, say that, because I think ultimately he's got to be a two-down player, which is a middle linebacker, not the not the coverage linebacker. Um, that'd probably be better for him, but I think the Eagles are going to start him out on the weak side. That's my assumption. I could be completely wrong. They also have Davion Taylor, so that makes into it as well. I think if he gets on the field, and we got to get to Martin Burke, Frank, I'm getting too wordy. If he gets on the field, it will be for Kaiser White. I don't think it'll be for T.J. Edwards, but, hey, I like T.J. Edwards, so maybe that's my bias. I like T.J. Edwards, too, but I think the best position for Nagopi Dean, and I think he's going to be that good that he's going to command to be in his best position, is in the middle. John McMullen, Jordan McDonald, Mac and Mac, guys, we will bring a third amigo into the mix. Martin Frank joins us next here on Birds 365.
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on that. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, IBEW98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero carbs, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. John McMullen and Jody McDonald, the Mac and Mac Guards 365 guys here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Hit that like button. Not because of John McMullen. Not because of Jody McDonald. Because of Martin Frank, who joins us here on Birds 365. Hello, Martin. How's your offseason going? <laughs> it's going better than the Phillies after last oh, night. Oh, that was a that was a nice one. Did you do the Phillies last night, Martin? I did not, but I um I saw the uh, collapse in real time as it happened. Wow, that's a good one. What was that? A seven-run collapse. Uh, the scary thing is, they're up mm -hmm. seven to one. I flipped over to the stupid hockey game, yeah. and I turned back over. I go, "What the seven-five? What the hell?" Yeah, yeah, you were better off watching the hockey game. Huh. That's an all-timer. That's a potential. Is Joe Girardi going to be here in June? That that's uh, yeah, was. that's yeah. a really good question. Why not? <laughs> And Doc Rivers might not be here either, but we we, we got to get some positivity, and that's your Philadelphia Eagles, Martin Frank. They're going to get on the field. Well, maybe not, but they're going to be in the bubble. They're going to be somewhere today. Rookie mm -hmm. camp, how fired up are you? Oh, I'm I'm I can't wait. I mean, you know, we know Nick Sirianni will be here in June anyway, so that's he's, true. That's true. Eagles got that going for themselves. And he the is the most entrenched coach in town. Can we say that? He is the most entrenched coach. He absolutely in town. is. Yeah. The Flyers yeah, don't have a coach. Well, you could right, argue Jay Wright, but both you know. hot seats. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. All right, Martin, uh, jump into the uh, little tete a tete John and I were just having. N'Kobe mm -hmm. Dean, will he be A, starting for the Philadelphia Eagles come week one? 
And if so, at what linebacker position do you think that's going to be? Um, if he's healthy, yeah, I think he definitely will be starting. And I think it'll be in place of TJ Edwards. He'll be alongside Kaiser White. All right, gang um, up on me, Mark. All right. Sorry, yeah, bro. Sorry. That's I mean, fair. Well, I mean, that's a big if, if he's healthy. I mean, I think the Eagles kind of took him there with, with the idea that, you know what, if, if this guy's not ready to play week one, if he ends up needing, you know, that surgery or whatever, then, you know, if this ends up being a redshirt year, then, you know, Kaiser White's only on a one-year deal. Next year, you know, he'll be ready to go. He should be as good as new if, if it's not this year. Yeah, and I think that's the positive part, even if there is an issue with the pack. That that doesn't concern me. You just redshirt him. That's right. what the Eagles kind of planned yeah. to do last year with Landon Dickerson. Um, and he was forced in the lineup. He ended up being fine. Uh, and hopefully mm-hmm. uh, that's going to work out long-term as well. So the Eagles have seen both sides of this sort of injury tete-a-tete. Right. Sidney Jones, it didn't work with. Um it, it is interesting, the value of, of getting a player like that in the third round, who most had late first round, early second round grade. Um, as a whole, how much does that N'Kobe Dean pick sort of raise up Martin Frank's grade for the Eagles in the draft? Um, I, I think it. at the time I was kind of like, what are they doing? This guy's hurt. He's going to need surgery and everything like that, you know, especially because they didn't address cornerback or safety. Um, well, actually, it hasn't turned out at all in the draft. But the more I thought about it, like, you know, if you're in the third round and you're looking for a starting cornerback or starting safety, you're probably not going to get one, especially with the ones who already went. So why not take a chance on a guy like N'Kobe Dean, who, who was, you know, many people thought would be a first round pick, you know, late first round, like you said, early second round, you know, even like in the weeks up to the draft. So, I mean, you know, this guy is really good. I mean, he played on a great team at Georgia. Um, he was probably the leader of that defense. I mean, you heard Jordan Davis say that pretty much. Um, you know, here's a guy who can make a difference if he's healthy. And if he can't play for this first year, you at least address the issue with Kaiser White. So, you know, you end up with a guy who probably could be a first-round pick on your team, and you're looking, you know, if, if it doesn't work out this year, then definitely next year you got a starting – you know, linebacker and everything like that. And that's what you, you want. think Howie's going to try to say this was really a first round pick. So he can stop with the Jerry Robinson. Stuff? I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't already. You know, like, you know he, that was like, Hey, we got a first round pick in the third round. You know, that's usually if he, if he produces like he can potentially <laughs> produce, it will eventually come to that. How we will say, and we got a first round linebacker in the yeah. third round. Oh yeah. He's going to go there. He hasn't yet. Uh, you got to get him on the field first and get him producing and playing like a first round pick. But oh, Howie will double back and say just oh, yeah. that. Yeah, uh, he did that. With, he did that with Landon Dickerson. I mean, you know, he was a guy who was supposed to go in the first round too. And yeah, had all those yeah. injuries, and you know, the Eagles took a chance on him and it worked out for them. I mean, he started pretty early in the season and pretty much is entrenched at left guard. So, yeah. Here's another reason why I think well, the, the most important reason why I think he's a middle linebacker for the Eagles is he's a middle linebacker. And I think they'll keep him at the position that he played at Georgia. And yes, as you move up, even though he's not the quote unquote perfect size middle linebacker, I think he overcomes that with talent and heart and desire. Um, another reason why I think they keep him there is this team is lacking a defensive leader. 
you went from Malcolm Jenkins to Rodney McLeod as your defensive leaders at the safety position. Are you ready to go there, Martin Frank? Epsi as the defensive leader of the Philadelphia Eagles. Somebody's got to take charge in that huddle, and I know it's difficult for a rookie to do. It's usually a linebacker or a safety. Will it be Epsi this year for the Eagles? That John likes to tell me he's the best safety that they have on the team right now. He's probably right, by the way. But is he also ready to be the defensive leader of this team? Uh, Epsi, I'm not so sure about. Um, you know, they have Anthony Harris. I mean, he's a guy you know, who knows the system's been around, you know, he knows Jonathan Gannon's system as well as anybody. So he might be the leader of the defense in, in that regard. Um, leaders yes. tend to perform though, Martin. Leaders yeah. need to perform. Yeah. And I'm not true. sure that, that Anthony, not that uh, Anthony Harris says, um, you know, he's been a pro bowl player in the past. People didn't see it in Philadelphia, but I do think he's a descending player. So, um, when you look at the secondary as a whole, and, and we've talked about cornerback a lot as well, and the Eagles keep with this narrative of, of Zach McPherson and uh, Tate Gowan and, 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 and Kerry Vincent, and they'd be comfortable with that. We heard the same thing last year when the Eagles drafted Zach McPherson in the fourth round. All offseason, Martin, it was like, well, yeah, we think Zach can play. And all of a sudden, oh, here's Steve Nelson two days before camp. First play in team drills, Steve Nelson, starting corner, never left it the entire season. Great durability as well. They weren't able to bring him back. He got two years in Houston. How big is is two open spots in the secondary, if you want to consider one safety, one cornerback spot? Uh, it's, it's pretty big. I mean, it's obviously really big. I mean, I, I think the starting cornerback – for the Eagles still isn't on the team yet. Um, you know, the Giants are expected to release James Bradbury. I'd be surprised if the Eagles don't make a serious run at him. Um, so, you know, it's just a question of how much they're able and willing to pay for a guy like that. Um, you know, I just, I, I can't see them going into the season with, uh, you know, the combination of McPherson, uh, Tay Gowan and Kerry Vinson and whoever else they want to try out there, you know, maybe one of the undrafted free agent guys they signed as, as the starter opposite Darius Slay. I mean, imagine if you're, if you're an opposing team and you see that, you're like, all right, well, Darius Slay can take the day off. We're just attacking the other side <laughs> like nonstop. I mean, you need somebody in there who can, you know, who's proven, who can make a play and everything. And, when you look at Steven Nelson last year, they signed him like maybe two or three days before training camp started. And maybe that's the case this year. I mean, they'll find somebody if it's not Bradbury, then, you know, there's bound to be somebody out there that they can go after and, and sign with, with starting experience. So um, I'm pretty, pretty confident that the Eagles other starting cornerback is not yet on the roster. Oh, no Zach McPherson love, Jody. Oops. Yeah, uh, Zach Mack's got to earn it. We love the name. We got, haven't decided yet whether we love the player. All right, um, Martin, let's assume, and it would be hard not to assume, that the Eagles have an improved pass rush this year. 
And the easiest way to designate that is uh, they get more sacks. Seeing as they were 31st out of 32 teams in the NFL, there's only one direction to go, but up. Uh, but we can watch a film, watch a tape, and we can say, hey, they're putting more pressure on the quarterback. They're getting to, getting hands in his face, getting hits on the quarterback. A lot of different ways you can uh, statistically come to the conclusion that you've got an improved pass rush. Let's say that's improved first two games, three games, four games, quarter of the way into the season. Will that affect the way Jonathan Gannon plays his defensive backs? Will they do it differently? Last year, kind of like Jim Schwartz, they allowed as much underneath stuff as you wanted. That's why quarterbacks were regularly completing 80% of their passes against the Eagles because they didn't get up and play a lot of press coverage. If the defense has improved at getting to the quarterback, what kind of effect is it going to have on the guys outside covering the wide receivers? Oh, it'll, it'll have a huge effect. I mean, you know, and, and they did improve the pass rush. I mean, getting a guy like Hassan Reddick, he's got like 23 and a half sacks in the last two years. You know, he's playing kind of like the, uh, you know, the rush linebacker spot. So you still have like Brandon Graham and, and Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat, um, you know, as defensive end. Plus you have Reddick. So, I mean, they're going to get more pressure on the quarterback. Plus you have the two guys up the middle whether it's Fletcher Cox and, and Javon Hargrave, and then with, you know, both Jordan Davis and, and Milton Williams. I mean, you've got a strong account, a rotation at defensive tackle as probably anybody in the league right now. So, you know, if, if Brandon Graham is fully healed, fully recovered and back to the way he was, like he says he is, then, you know, you've got a much, you're already improved because he only played like two games last year before he suffered the Achilles, you know, Derek Barnett, this Derek Barnett, you might get a few sacks here and there, and he's probably going to get a ton of penalties. But you also got Josh Sweat, who's an ascending <laughs> player. I love um, the shot at Derek, by the way. <laughs> you got – yeah, well, he had more penalties than sacks last year. Yeah, so, he uh, did. Yeah. Not even close. Yeah, exactly, not even close. And you got – you know, Josh Sweat is, is a really good defensive end. I mean, I think, you know, he can get double-digit sacks. I mean, he was – I think he had seven and a half last year and everything. So – you know, there's plenty of opportunity for those guys to have a better. Um, I mean, they should definitely be much improved from from what they were last year and stuff. And you know, the less time the quarterback has to throw, the less time he can find an open receiver. I mean, that's just you know, that's just basically common sense and everything like that. So yeah, it'll definitely help the defensive backs if if they're getting more pressure on the quarterback. All right, Martin, let's get to the main event, and that's the offensive side of the football. That's the quarterback. That's Jalen Hurts. Um, you wrote about this on your latest at uh, Delaware Online, or one of your latest, DelawareOnline.com. Jalen Hurts, you know, sort of saying it's my team, uh, getting a little curt, by the way. I like when people use the word curt. I think <laughs> Harvey Keitel and Pulp Fiction. If I'm Kurt, I apologize, but so well done there. Um, yeah, yeah, I do because I'm the one who asked that question about the follow up about the off season workout. So he he kind of said it. He he went out to Southern California on his own. Do you believe right. that, or do you believe Nick Sirianni and Brian Johnson and Shane Steichen got together and said, look? you got to start working on your mechanics a little bit more. And Tom House and Adam Daydew are uh, the best at this. 
And and by the way, if they didn't say that, is that a problem? In other words, you know, shouldn't they have a defined plan for Jalen Hurts in the offseason? Um, yes and no. I mean, I think there's only so much they can tell tell a player, like any player, um, during the offseason. They're really not allowed to have any kind of contact with them. But they could tell Jalen, like at the end of the season, okay, we need you to improve on this. We need you to improve on this. We need you to improve on this. Here are some coaches who can help you do that. Um, but they can't make them go to Well, Tom. that's what I meant, more of a suggestion, you know. Yeah. You oh, have I'm a sure. strong suggestion, I should say. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, Jalen Hurts is a smart guy too. I mean, you know, he knows what he needed to do better. I mean, he's very conscientious and, and diligent and everything. So, like, if there's – somebody who can help him get better and he thinks that might be better than maybe someone the Eagles suggested. I mean, he's going to go to that person. I mean, I'm not sure that's how it, you know, how it all transpired or anything like that, but you know, Jalen hurts. I mean, you can tell that he's a guy who is going to do whatever it takes to get better. So, you know, he's probably got some ideas on his own as well as who to go see and everything like that. But yeah, I'm sure he's, he's, not against the suggestion to go go try you know working out with Tom House in California and everything and see where that leads and you know whatever it takes I mean I think that's what he's going to do in order to be a better quarterback than he was last year so all right yeah. all right now I'm going to stay on the offensive side drunk jump into the trenches with a uh, hypothetical question for you week two of the season Landon Dickerson comes up lame. Uh, don't say that, Jody. <laughs> Turns uh, an ankle. Nothing major, nothing career-threatening or anything like that, but a significant injury where you know he's going to be out a minimum of a month. Who's replacing him at left guard? Hmm. That's a good question because you got um, – I know who's not. Uh, Nate Herbig. That's it's true. It's not Nate Herbig. Nate, stay in green. Yeah. He's staying You're green, though. Jet. Got that jet green going. Yeah. Joe Douglas said, thank you very much. I'll take Nate Herbig. Right. Um, you're assuming then that uh, Isaac Samalo is starting on the right side. You yes. could always move him back to the left side. I mean, he's played there for the first four or five years of his career and everything. And then you put in Jack Driscoll um, or the new guy, Cam Jurgens. He could play guard. I, you know, maybe he's stronger on the left side than the right side. I mean, you know, they drafted this guy in the second round, and, and Howie made it pretty clear he's not just a center. He can also play guard, even though he never did in college. But, you know, you got two guys, uh, three if you want to include Sua Opeta, who's who's played some, you know, last year. I mean, uh, how's four, Tesla I guess, stock you know. doing today? The stock market's not doing well. How is yeah, Tesla right. doing? I and then know. there's Brett Toth. You know, they moved him inside, too. So, I mean, they got options. Uh, you know, it's just a question of um, – you know, where they decide to put Sam Alu. Like, if they want to keep him on the right side, then maybe one of those other guys can play on the left side. But, you know, you got some pretty good options. It's still a pretty deep um, offensive line, even if, uh, you know, a guy like Landon Dickerson were to go down and stuff. So I think they'd be all right if, if he had to miss, like, a few weeks or even a month, like you said. Um, they got options. Uh, Nate Herbig wasn't the deal breaker here. They do have crazy depth uh, on the offensive line. And yeah. that's the reason Nate's not here, let's be honest. He made yeah. a little bit too much money to be uh, a third-string player. And the Jets are like, yeah, we'll pay that. We'll pay that for, for sure. the guy who started, I think, 17 games. So 
Good guy, too. Good luck to Nate Herbig. Uh, for Jody's Jets, I think he'll do uh, a solid job there. Yeah. Um, so let's talk receivers now, Martin. Let's go, since we're on the offensive side of the football, I think on paper this looks great. I set up a bit of a firestorm on my own Twitter. I said, to me, this is the most talented mm-hmm. tandem the Eagles have ever had at wide receiver, ever. I saw and I that. got a lot, lot of pushback, people bringing up Harold Carmichael and Mike Quick. Well, Harold was in his 12th season when Mike Quick got here. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, he wasn't the Hall of Fame Harold Carmichael. Uh, the, Devontae's 23. AJ's 24. Mm-hmm. And they, they are getting together at this point of their career. I think the better argument probably be Deshaun Jackson, Jeremy Maglin. Right. But I think these two are more talented than those two. Am I crazy? Now, people took it as best. They've never played a game. I'm not saying they're the best. They have to prove it. Right. But right. they're the most talented. Am I nuts? Um. Well, the only thing I would say about Deshaun and Jeremy Macklin is they never really played together that much. Um, you know, Deshaun came in 08 and Macklin in 09. Um. And I want to say, like, their best years, the one year Deshaun was great in 2013, Macklin was out with a torn ACL. Yeah, Macklin's big year was Jordan Matthews. who Right. And, and yeah, Chip Kelly got rid of Deshaun, and then Macklin came back and had his great year. So they never really had, like, they had good years. I mean, Macklin took a couple years before he became the great receiver or the really good receiver that he was. Um, So – you know, and Deshaun, I think, had injuries, too, at, at times. Like, he never really had a 1,000 yards receiving until that 2013 breakout season, if I'm not mistaken. Or maybe he did. I don't – I can't remember exactly. But, yeah, I think, like, the two guys they have now have definitely as much, if not more, potential than than Deshaun and Macklin. Um, you know, if those two, like, had played together in their prime, I think both could have had – you know, a thousand yards receiving together. And I think that's definitely the expectation for um, Devontae Smith and, and AJ Brown. I mean, AJ Brown's already done it twice. Um, Devontae, you know, as a rookie had 916 yards receiving, you know, with the quarterback who was still kind of like finding his way and, and, you know, they didn't really have anybody else. So the other team knew they all they had to do was shut down Devontae Smith and, and maybe Dallas Goddard and, you know, they can, they could do that. Obviously now you can't really do that as much. I mean, if you focus all your attention on Devonte Smith, well, you got a guy on the other side and AJ Brown is just going to go crazy and vice versa. I mean, if you focus on trying to stop um, AJ Brown, then you you're opening up room for Devonte Smith. So I think they're both going to feed off each other. I think I don't see why either one, I mean, I don't see why both can't have a thousand yards receiving. I mean, and and by know, the way, Martin, you said two years. Yeah, he didn't have a thousand yards last year, but he would have. He missed, mm-hmm. you know, five games, whatever it was, due to injury. He was on pace for it. Um, so it was injury related. Uh, this group, and and I'll, I'll I'll follow up with this. Who who's who's wide receiver one in your mind? Is it AJ or is it Devontae? I think they're both wide receiver one, uh, like one and one on that bench. Somebody's got to get it. You hear when you go back to Doug Peterson, you, you've heard this, Martin. Doug said, I game plan 
for 17 and 86, which was all Sean Jeffrey and Zach Ertz. Um, Nick, last year, it was 6 and 88. It was Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. You always got those two guys. So 88, I think, is going to be one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if I'm forcing you to pick one, and I'm forcing you, who was who Nick Sirianni gaming for? Is it 11 and 88 or is it 6 and 88? Hmm. Uh, I'm going, I'm going to go with 11 and 88. And I think six is going to be the beneficiary. All right. I like yeah. it. I like right. it. And I think it's going to be six and 11 and Dallas will be third, but uh, different That's possible, opinion. Yeah. and Oh, by the way, I'm going with Irving Fryer and Christy Jones. as the best. <laughs> Eagle Christy Jones. Christy Jones. Oh, quick question. How many yards do you think they combined for in 16 games, not 17 games? Well, obviously a lot, but I can't. Come on, Christy over, Jones. Over 2,000. We'll wow. see if the two Eagle wide receivers come. I think the record is Jeremy Macklin and Jordan Matthews of all people, but I could be wrong. I what about uh, T.O. and – I mean, I know T.O. had like 1,400 yards or 1,200 yeah. yards or something like that. Wasn't there another guy, Todd Pinkston maybe? Pinky. Yeah. Yeah. Do the pinky dance. Five or six hundred yards. But my point is not about stats, it's about talent. And look, Christy Jones, nice season, well done. You're not Devontae no, Smith or AJ Brown. That's that's my point. I'm not talking they're gonna be the most productive. You need a quarterback. Quarterback factors into that as well. How much are you gonna throw the ball? All that factors into that number. I think this tandem, I'm very comfortable saying this, I'll say it again, is the most talented tandem in Eagles history. And they haven't had a lot of great tandems as compared to some other teams at wide receiver. Yeah, I think that's a pretty safe assumption based on, you know, their history and everything like that. But, yeah, I mean, now you got to prove it, Um, you know. The Eagles are expected to be a lot better offensively, and that's supposed to make Jalen Hurts a better quarterback. So, you know, let's see. <laughs> if if my choice is the most talented duo ever or the most productive duo ever, I got to fall down on the most productive duo. Talent is nice, but then you got to go out and do it on the field, and we'll see if these two guys do it. I think they will be. I think John's right. I think talent will equate to production, and I think they'll be – I think they'll set that record for most passing yards uh, by two Eagle receivers in yeah, the and, season and I think, if, if they both stay healthy. Yeah, and, and I think this is obviously a referendum on Jalen Hurts as a quarterback. I mean, if you can't, you know, if you can't have a good season with the receivers that you have, you know, whether it's A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, and Dallas Goddard, you know, whatever order you want to put them in, I mean, you know – if the Eagles can't, you know, muster a good offense with those three guys, then it's definitely on the quarterback at this point, right? I mean, you know, after this year, if Jalen Hurts is your quarterback, you either, and if he's not, then you got to get one next year. I mean, it's as plain and simple. Uh, Martin Frank, the great NFL Eagles writer for the Delaware News Journal. You could read him there, DelawareOnline.com, at NFL. Martin, last one uh, for you. I know you're going to be a world traveler, so you got your passport in order. Uh, you're going to Italy. You're a little upset 
uh, you're not going to get a stamp from Mexico City uh, later in the year. Uh, no Eagles in Mexico City. Yeah, I was a little surprised by that. I mean, you know, if, if you're going to like, you know, bring a new fan base to a, you know, foreign country, I mean, what better fan base to bring there than the Eagles? I mean, yeah, I know like the 49ers and, and Cardinals are a good matchup and everything like that, but you know, who wouldn't want to see like Jalen Hurts and, and Kyler Murray, you know, I guess they were never really teammates in Oklahoma, but they both went there and everything. And I don't know. It just seemed like Eagles fans in Mexico City. That would have been a nice thing. I already have my passport, you know. International um, incident. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was a little surprised. I thought for sure that was going to happen. But, uh, you know, going to Arizona is not bad either. That's true. Worst places. I would argue better, but that's me because right, I, I got to do the paperwork. I got a two-parter for you, Martin, to to wrap it up. Um, number one is a follow-up of John's. Have you already laid out your running routes in Mexico if you're going abroad? Have you <laughs> no, gone, he's gone on to Italy? He doesn't have Italy. Yeah. What did I say? Mexico. 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 Not going to Mexico. Excuse me. Going to Italy. Um, have you laid out your Google Earth? Uh, searches to find out exactly where you're going to be able to get your running in. <laughs> Haven't done that yet, but maybe I will. Over the it's a weekend. good idea. You can get everything on Google Earth now. Yeah, you find exactly what, what's the best running route. All right, and this one is uh, just to uh, put a little bit of uh, Eagle off season in perspective as we sit here. Let's see. Uh, we got uh, 128 days until the first Sunday of the season. Still a lot can happen, a lot of change, injuries, additions, subtractions. But as we sit here today on uh, May 6th, who's the favorite to win the NFC East? Um, I think the Eagles could be – I think it's going to be the Eagles and the Cowboys um, pretty much going right down to the wire. I don't think the Cowboys are as strong as they've been the last couple of years after losing Amari Cooper and, and Cedric Wilson. Um, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's one year older. Um, I know Tony Pollard's obviously a good back and everything, but, uh, you know, I like what the Eagles did in the draft and, and if everything works out, if Nicobe Dean is, is playing and starting, having a good year, the offense is much better, you know, Jalen Hurts theoretically should be much better. So I think, yeah, I think the Eagles can make a run for it. You know, if they end up like 11 and six, I think that could be good enough to win the division. I think. You know, I, I think they could be a favorite to win the division. I don't see I don't see any dominant team in the NFC East right now. So, you know, it just depends on how it all how it all unfolds and everything like that. But I wouldn't be surprised to see the Eagles as the NFC East champion this year. Martin, great stuff. Uh, we always appreciate it when you come on. Uh, may your European running go well. Don't get hurt on it. We need you in one piece. To come I back. meant to ask to see the Broad Street medal, too. The Broad Street run. Oh, yeah. I got that in a drawer somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> a right into the drawer. Yeah. There, there's a runner for you. Who needs medals? Let's get back out there and get the endorphins pumping. Martin, great stuff. Appreciate you coming on. Always, bud. Thanks much. All right. Always a pleasure. Thanks a lot, guys. Our Thanks, pleasure. Martin. That's Martin Frank of the Delco Times here with us. I'm Birds 365. He is a running fool, isn't he, John? Oh, yeah. He oh, is yeah. just, he's dedicated to that stuff. I can't drive as far as Martin Frank can Oh, run. no, none of it. Yeah, Martin, Martin can go, man. And he's coming back off injury, too. 
and then and then he covered the draft. You know, those are grinds those days. And then, you know, we got out of there late on Saturday night, and he's back at the Broad Street Run. I think at five thirty in the morning. He's a he's a monster when it comes to that stuff. He's he's a gamer like Nicobe Dean. Don't listen to these yeah. stupid other teams. Well, Mark's medical got medicals reports. too, he and he plays. plays. He, he plays. So does Martin Frank. Yeah, Who cares read, what the medical says? I read. Tell me what happened. Don't tell I, me what you think's going to happen. Tell me what happened. Yeah. All he I does read. I, I read Flagdom, Jody, and he finished yeah. anyway. And so he, see, he, positive. He runs right through it. Martin Frank here with us on Birds Three Sixty Five. All right, coming back, Mac and Mac. We're gonna have a yeah, guest in the second hour we've never had on before. Victor Williams from uh, Fox Sports Gambler is gonna hop aboard. That kind of led in my last question, led to one of the things we're going to ask Victor, who's going to be the favorite in the NFC East? It is going to be the Cowboys, but it might be closer than some people may expect between Philadelphia and Dallas. A lot of things yet to cover. Hour to go here on Birds 365. of life first trust bank is there for you because philadelphia dreams deserve a philadelphia bank do you stream on a roku fire stick android tv or apple tv now you can watch 6abc 24 7 with the 6abc philadelphia streaming app the big story on action search 6abc philadelphia and start streaming today in Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glasses for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears.
with John McMullen. I'm Jody McDonald. That means you got your Mac and Mac Birds 365 guys here today on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Punch that like button for us. We could use a little help with our algorithm or so I'm told. Like, share, and subscribe here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Hi, Johnny Mac. We started the show talking about the gathering of rookies that they will have in South Philadelphia today. Uh, some drills will be run. Nothing overt or football, too football related. It has to be somewhat football, but not team drills. Because A, they don't have enough guys, and B, it's against the rules. Then you're not allowed to do it, but they will gather together. And this is year two of Nick Sirianni's uh, era as the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. How much difference is there between year one and year two for a coach? I think a lot. I mean, you know, Coaches always say the biggest jump you see in players is between year one and year two. This goes back to where we started the show about, um, you know, some of those uncomfortable, natural human things more than football things that you have to go through as a rookie. Same thing with rookie head coaches. There are always, there's no, there's no, you can talk about being a coordinator or this is the best way to be a head coach is being an offensive coordinator and call plays and all that stuff. Or, um, you know, people have other ideas. It's about leadership and it can be on either side of the ball, even in an offensive taint, uh, tilted era. But you got to learn on the job when you're a first time head coach, especially now you get a second chance. It's probably a little bit easier, but. Every single coach I've ever talked to, Jody, and I mean every single one, when I asked him the question about what surprised you most about this particular job, and I mean 100%, 100% is like, I, I, they always say how much non-football stuff I got to deal with, how much logistical stuff, uh, whether it could be something as simple as schedules like today. Like, what are they going to do in their um, 90 minutes on the field? You know, how are you going to structure that? Um, from everything down to training camp, and we, and we talk about all the time, like who's making the decisions. I, I, I always say I've never met the football coach that doesn't want to practice more. Nick Sirianni's got to deal with medical people, sports science people, and, and put all of this into a plan, along with 90 players, by the way. A, a, a lot of those players today are going to be, you know, a little overwhelmed, to be honest. Uh, and you got to get them up to speed. I always say with Howie, I say with head coaches as well, it's a very big job that people don't realize. They think it's about, a lot of people think it's about play calling and just being there on, on game day and you got to make the right decision on fourth down. Man, the other stuff that you don't see the whole week getting up to that point is the difficult part. That's the easy part for the coaches. That's the enjoyable part for the coaches uh, when they get to the game. Same as the players. Um, so, yeah, I mean, year one to year two was huge. At this time last year, Nick Sirianni, Nick Sirianni just got there. We were all talking mm -hmm. about the, the opening press conference, and he looked overwhelmed, to be honest. Uh, and then you start to calm down and you start to get feel yourself a little bit, but you're still relying on the people that were here, right? He's relying on Howie Roseman to set things up, some of the, uh, to, to, you know, 
names of assistant coaches, for instance. You know, he didn't have a guy for quarterback coach. He had his guys. He had Shane Steichen and Kevin Petullo and Jonathan Yan and certain people. Um, but, you know, how he got him a bunch of names and they came up with Brian Johnson. Uh, all of that is is sort of this all-encompassing stuff you have to do. You have to rely on other people. Certainly Jeff Stoutland he relied on for a guy who's been here for a long time. Um, now he's more comfortable. And there should be a significant, significant improvement uh, from year one to year two. You mentioned uh, Jonathan Gannon as one of his guys. Was he really one of Nick's guys or was he one of Howie guys? Uh, well, the Eagles were going to hire him, uh, no matter if they hired uh, Josh McDaniels or, or Nick Sirianni. But um, Nick didn't have a problem. I mean, Nick worked with him in Indianapolis. Nick knew him. Nick was very close to him as well. But, no, I think a lot of people don't realize, like, Josh McDaniels and Jonathan Gannon are really, really close. Um, just, you know, they come from the same area. They have a lot of the same contacts um, over the years. And, you know, the Eagles wanted to hire Jonathan Gannon before they knew who their head coach was going to be uh, as a defensive coordinator. So the plan was that he was going to be here no matter who the head coach was going to be. But it did happen to be that the head coach was very familiar and very comfortable with Jonathan Gannon. Right. That's why I asked, because I knew that the Eagles had as much interest as they did in Gannon. And I'll tie a couple of things that you said together um, on how the jump from year one to year two can be as big as it is and how all-encompassing the job of the head coach of a National Football League team is. Uh, I'm with you. I don't think people realize how much is on your plate when you're the head coach of a National Football League team. And I'll tell you one of the hardest things. Uh, it's a little apples and oranges, but uh, uh, when my father was a general manager for three different teams uh, on a Major League Baseball level, uh, level, he told me one of the toughest things he had to do was scout his scouts. Now, a head football coach in the NFL, the guys working directly underneath them are his coaches, the guys who are on his staff. And you correctly pointed out that Nick Sirianni had a lot of say in who was on his staff. Doug Peterson, not so much. And some of it was Doug's doing that he said, all right, yeah, whatever you want. We throw the staff together, Howie. I'll be okay with it. You got guys you want to keep from Chip's staff? Okay, yeah, I'll work with those guys. Doug was just happy to get the job that he was going to – he'd figure it out as he went along. But they they seem to give Sirianni a lot more input in putting his staff together, which is both a good thing and a tough thing. Because if you know the guys ahead of time, you work with them ahead of time, and then they come in and the job's the job, and it isn't exactly working out the way that you had envisioned it working out, you got to be able to evaluate those guys that are working underneath you. And some of them become your friends and your job as a head coach is to evaluate those guys. It might've actually gotten Doug Peterson fired because he evaluated them and he thought they were still really good. And the two guys he reported to thought, no, we're not, we're not advancing them. If with anything, we're going to move on from them. So it is really a fine line. You have to walk. And my father said, it's the toughest thing because they're all different. He had at one point 30, 35 scouts that work underneath them. He said, oh, I know the scouts who are tough graders, and I know the scouts who are easy graders. 
And I read two separate reports on one player, and one makes him sound like Babe Ruth, and the other one makes him sound like he's never going to spend a day in the major leagues as a minor leaguer. And they're both guys that are working for him looking at the same exact player. But they do things differently. They they write their reports differently and like. So the scout, the coaches that are working underneath you may do their jobs co- completely different. You got to be able to bring it all together. You got to be the guy who takes all that information in, get guys to do certain things you want uniform across the board. This is the way the Philadelphia Eagles do things. It's a lot harder than people make it out to be. Oh, or yeah. even, oh, I yeah. think, even understand what you're asking of a guy to be able to keep. He's got to keep the plays. He's got to call the plays. He's got to deal with the general manager. He's got to deal with the owner. And on top of it, he's got to deal with his staff. Everybody thinks because they're all in the same room and they had some hiring. <clears throat> what happens when your guy's not doing a job? Yeah, You were the guy who went in and fought for the guy to get the job, and then the job isn't being done as well as you want. That's harsh. And it coaches is. just want to coach. They don't want to be disciplinarians, the guys that they reached out and hired. It's a really tough aspect of the job. Yeah, it is. And, yeah, that's why Doug's not here anymore, bottom line. Um, and the Eagles thought he didn't manage his coaching staff well. Um and, you know, I mean, it, it's one of those things on board saying we're seeing it with the front office now. And, <clears throat> you know, we don't know if Andy Waddle's going to get the job in Pittsburgh or not. They've started doing their second round of interviews. And I know the first two names weren't Andy Waddle. So uh, he might be back and his brother's not going to be back. So, I mean, you can imagine that you involve family into it as well. Different department, obviously, but um with the coaching staff, yeah. I mean, I always look at Carson Walsh because um, he had such a – and it's not fair. I mean, I can't grade Carson Walsh as an assistant coach. I know damn well that uh, Jeffrey Laurie can't grade him. Um, now, there there is some – you know, he gets to see him do his job on, on a closer level. Uh, so maybe it could be something as simple as – you know, not communicating well versus the mechanics of teaching people a, a, a certain position. But I do know, you know, fans certainly can't grade Carson Walsh, but they all hated him uh, because the Eagles receivers didn't produce. And he was the receivers coach. That's how yep. it works. The problem is in this public facing industry is sometimes got guys got to pay the price because of, of the outside noise. It's not fair necessarily. And one of the things with, with Doug was extremely loyal, extremely loyal. Now, that could be a good thing if you work through it and you're successful and your your assistants know how loyal you are and you're fighting for them. <clears throat> you know, one of, one of my favorite stories about the Eagles and their haughtiness is, you know, everybody loves Frank right now in Philadelphia because they won the Super Bowl and Frank left and all of a sudden the offense went down. So, you know, two plus two, right, Jody? Well, Frank left. Um, They wanted to fire Frank after his first season in 2016. By they, I'm talking, not Doug, I'm talking about uh, Jeffrey Lurie and Harry Rose. They wanted him out of here after one year. After one year. Um, And you know, Doug stood up at that time and, and you know, it worked. 
um, and 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 they kept him, and and the rest is history. And now Frank, because he left and wasn't a pa- a part of the downturn, will forever be loved as this great offensive mind, and he was the reason for all the success, at least right. with a large portion of the fan base. But that's how you know razor thin uh, the margin of error can and can't be. Um, you know, John Filippo had a huge um, impact on that Super Bowl win as well. He was the one who really reshaped the offense after Carson Wentz uh, went down. And I, I, you know, people kind of forget when Nick Bowles came in in the regular season, he wasn't great, <laughs> wasn't great early on running the offense Carson was running. And the Eagles said, we can't do things the same way. And they sort of reshaped the whole offense. And John DiFilippo went to Nick Bowles and said, what are you comfortable doing? What do you like doing? And then you saw all the RPOs coming to the offense. And all of a sudden, he turns into Benny Johnson in the playoffs, and the rest is history. On the, um, on the fly, they redid the entire yeah. offense, which was amazing. Yeah. And that that was that was split more than anybody else. Um, and and he left, and, and he wasn't a success in Minnesota. And he wasn't a success in Jacksonville. Um, But narratives are narratives. And coaching is, you know, this is a scapegoat league, Jody. If you don't succeed, somebody's got to pay. It's not fair, but it's the way it is. And it's not just the National Football League. It's basically every league. uh, Oh, yeah, pro sports in general. My daughter texted me last night after the Phillies collapse. And she worked with Joe Girardi hand-in-hand at the MLB Network several years ago. And she said he was the best guy, nicest guy, uh, any assignment that he had. He was open to listening, whatever. When the Phillies hired him, she was ecstatic. Last night, she said they should fire Girardi today. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the want of the fan. What happened in the last 10 minutes? And let's make a major decision and react to it. So she was ready to fight. So uh, it's not just coaches in the NFL. It's every single sport. It's the same exact thing. Uh, you mentioned the Eagles front office. Um, your buddy Jeff McClain yesterday reported the Eagles are interviewing some candidates. Jim Nagy, the senior bowl uh, director, who formerly had been a front office guy around the league, and Brandon Hunt. <clears throat> if the Steelers are going to take uh, Andy Weidel, the Eagles might look to try and take a piece out of the Steelers front office, Brandon Hunt, who's been there for a long time. Uh, timeline on this. Uh, if you have information on either of these two guys, if you think it's a yay, a nay, or a maybe, please share. But uh, just generally, what do you think the timeline is? Uh, they, they will have it done, I would say, by the end of the month. Uh, the Eagles, as I said, would they will restructure the personnel department announce it all at once. Typically is how they like to do it because they're going to, they moved on from some lower level scouts as well. Uh, Brandon hunt is an interesting one to me because they wanted him before uh, they interviewed him when Andy got the job. So Andy got elevated, but they wanted him to be a part of the department and they couldn't get him away from Pittsburgh. So Jim Nagy's interesting because he's kind of famous in the football world. Uh, and and I do think that would be an interesting hire because he's done a, a great job at the Senior Bowl. 
I think he would be more of a, and this is just speculation. I think he would be more of a potential replacement for Catherine Rach as the all encompassing sort of um, umbrella over all the, the departments and just personnel, whereas Brandon would be just personnel. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because, yeah, he got he got interviewed for the Steelers job, so he might get promoted there. Um, he got interviewed, I know, for the Raiders job before they went with uh, Dave Ziegler. So he's an up-and-comer. He's, he's a big name. It'll be interesting to see if they can pry him out of, out of Pittsburgh. We shall see if something does happen within the next week. We're coming up on a weekend, but not before the Rooks get together for the Philadelphia Eagles. That's just one of many things we're going to talk about with our next guests. Haven't had him on the show before. Look at him punching him up for the first time. Victor Williams from Fox Sports, the gambler, going to join us here on Birds 365. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, IBEW98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, 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 and that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rip... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears.
Appreciate you streaming in here on Birds 365. You got McMullen and McDonald hanging with you. We got a guest we haven't had on the show before, but we're looking forward to talking to him today. He's from Fox Sports, the gambler here in Philadelphia. Victor Williams joins us. Victor, Jody Mack, and John McMullen here. What are you betting on today? Hey, oh, man. Not a, not a Sixers win. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Come on, uh, Joel's going to get through the protocol. Oh, uh, yeah. We got to have better, some hope, Victor. We better we hope so, man. Hard and assist. That's about all you can really bet on these days. Maybe maxi threes. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, that money line's uh, not looking too hot right now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about threes. This team hasn't uh, been shooting very well in the uh, playoffs, but not really. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's turn positive because everybody's excited about the Eagles right now after a draft, which you know it's interesting. Uh, it had volume to start, but it turned into only five picks. But the two at the top specifically, and one wasn't even a pick, and that's AJ Brown. <laughs> Um, Jordan Davis, AJ Brown, two potential difference makers, Victor, what were your feelings coming out of that first day of the draft? Yeah, day one, this had to be, and this, this might sound like kind of like blasphemous on my end, but this is the most impressive draft class I've seen, like in my lifetime. Like, so, uh, the first pick, the Jordan Davis pick, uh, I was, I was pretty excited about, but I was a known Kyle Hamilton guy. I was, I was hammering the table for him. Uh, so to see him there was was you know getting me excited, and then once Jordan Davis fell to the point where it was Baltimore there, and everybody and their mom knew that Baltimore was gonna was gonna grab him there because he fits their identity on defense. So once they traded up, we all knew it was going to be Jordan Davis, and you can't help but be excited uh, for for the player that he is. As I think he's one of the rare high floor, high ceiling prospects in this in this draft. You don't get too many of those in too many draft classes. And uh, if you can have a guy who's going to, in his rookie year, project as a, as a two-down run stopper, and then later on maybe develop a pass rush game, get an arsenal in that area, uh, it's hard not to not to like that pick, especially with Hargrave and Cox entering contract years. I believe I believe Hargrave is a free agent yes. um, next year, yes. so you got to shore up that. You got to you got to get a big guy in the middle. The Eagles live and die by the trenches, as we all know. Um, I, I think Jordan Davis doesn't fit a lot of schemes in today's NFL, but he fits what the Eagles do. So, so you have to think what they do there. And then AJ Brown. I mean, <laughs> what, what more can be said about how we're going and getting a top ten? Uh, I think he's a top ten receiver, a superstar receiver in this league at just 24 years old. Um, I was in the camp that believed that the Eagles wouldn't invest this kind of money in a receiver just because. I think we all were. Yeah, how he said it basically. Exactly, how he said it and lied to us. Just because I thought, like, what, why would they do that if they're still unsure? I don't even know unsure if they're still, like, trying to figure out the Q, the long-term stability of the QB position. And then, you know, others would argue that now is actually the perfect time to go and invest money in that position while you're not committing so much money into the quarterback position. Uh, Jalen Hurts, what is it, four years, six six million uh, salaries. So yeah. you might as well do it now while you have the money. I just didn't think how he would do it. So to not only give up trade capital but to give him that 100 million dollar extension i was baffled but i can't be uh upset about it um john i saw a tweet you put out yesterday about this could potentially be the best duo in philadelphia and i thought that to myself uh but i didn't have the courage to, to tweet it so you had the courage yeah. that i, that well, I, I got have. killed for it but i said <laughs> you know as people read what they want to read i said most talented Right, which I don't, I don't think there's much of a question, and everybody got into production. They they haven't played a game. They haven't played. I yeah, I get it. 
and and the one I got most was Harold Harold and and Mike Quick, and it's interesting because of my age. Obviously, people <laughs> still claim recency bias. Like I don't know who Harold Carmichael is, um, but my point with Harold. When Harold was here, he, I think it was in year 12 when Mike mm. got here. You know, AJ's 24. Right. Devontae's 23. Mm-hmm. You know, in theory, these guys should be together for a long time Hopefully. together. Uh, at, as you mentioned, Jody and I went through it a, a couple of days ago. And we had AJ at about, not top 10, but we had him 11, 12, somewhere in that range. Mm-hmm. So top right 12, on the bare cusp, minimum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right on the cusp of being a top 10 receiver. And then Devontae Smith, I've said this as well. I've got some, you know what, over this as well. <laughs> I think ultimately he's going to be better. Yeah, he's going to be so. a better receiver than A.J. Brown because, and, you know, we always put the caveat, obviously they have to stay healthy, mm-hmm. but because of his route running, because of his skill, I think he's ultimately going to be the better of the two receivers. I've been around a long time. Jody's been around longer. (laughs) I've never seen two receivers like this. I saw Chris Carter and Randy Moss. I covered that team. I wouldn't say they're the most talented I've seen in this town. It's the most talented wide receiver duo I've ever seen. Yeah, when I was when I had read the tweet and I was thinking to myself cuz obviously I'm I'm 28 years old now. So, you know, Macklin and Deshaun for me is obviously the first duo you think about and of course the talent supersedes supersedes that because I don't I would argue that neither of them were true like like WR1s. Like they each had their own skill sets, but I don't think each each of them were true like alpha receivers. Um, and then I was starting to think to myself, was like Mike Quick and Chris Carter, like in the late 80s, like, does that count? I wasn't even around for that. <laughs> but I know at the time, like Quick was injured when Carter was playing and, and that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, plus Chris had issues. And Chris, um, he gives Buddy Ryan credit all the time for oh, saving okay. his career. Yeah, I was trying to think he, back to before I was around. And I was yeah, like, does yeah. that like count? Like, <laughs> yeah. He wasn't the player he turned into when he was here. Right, um, right. So Mac and Deshaun is all I got. So yeah. I'm with T.O. Yeah. and Pinkston. But obviously T.O. carried carried the torch there. But Yes, he certainly thing. did. <laughs> but do, you, do yourself a favor, Victor. Look up Christy Jones. Oh, yeah? He, he <laughs> Never and, heard of a guy. <laughs> he, he and Irving Fryer did have one really good year together, uh, paired outside for the Philadelphia Eagles. What year was 90, that? 93, 94. I was born I in 93, so. There you go. Uh, there it was, Chris T. Jones. You got yeah. a little research to do. All right, uh, I'm flipping back over on the defense. You mentioned Jordan Davis and uh, the excitement level when the Eagles picked them. And, yeah, they. it looked like they were going to get either he or Hamilton but they had to trade up to ensure that because mm-hmm. if they hadn't, then Washington may have taken Hamilton and Jordan Davis may have gone to the Ravens. So Harry Roseman did what he had to do mm-hmm. to get the player that he specifically wanted. How much faith do you have that Jonathan Gannon just for this year, we're not talking about 2023 or 24, 25, because according to Howie Roseman, they're just renting Jonathan Gannon and, he will probably be a head coach somewhere else in the National Football League this year. Mm-hmm. I need to see that first. Uh, but <laughs> just just for this year, how much faith do you have that with Hassan Reddick coming in, different piece, how to use him, Jordan Davis coming in, huge piece, how do you use him? How much faith do you have that the defensive coordinator is going to push all the right buttons with the defensive talent they've added? 
Yeah, the, the second half of the season made me a little more confident. I think Gannon was better during that second half. They Obviously, they were playing guys like Garrett Gilbert and like Jake Fromm, so you had no choice but to, but to be better during the second half of the season. But That's you have true. to try. You have to try to not – like you like you have to try to make Jordan Davis ineffective like if we're not using him the right way then you just like are either not playing him or he's injured like it's the only way he can't be he can't be effective and I think the Eagles were like third to last in sacks last year so you have no choice but to be better with that I think Hassan Reddick helps with that uh they brought back Derek Barnett probably because the market allowed them to Derek Barnett probably didn't think the 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 market was going to be um that that lethal for him and then um well, we have to see how Brandon Graham is going to be after that Achilles. He's not getting any younger. And then Josh Sweat, who uh, John, correct me if I'm wrong. Like, does he does he still have like a snap like like requirement or like a minimum? No, nope. he's uh, he's all clear. In <laughs> so, fact, so he can play all the snaps Josh, now. Huh? Yeah. Okay. If you ask Josh about his knee injury, you will get a glare. Uh, <laughs> as far as he is concerned, he is he is past it. So we're getting like seventy percent of the you on Twitter, John McMullen. Not that I know of, but Not I haven't Josh checked. Josh. I, Zach Pascal blocked me, Victor. He did. Uh, oh man, yeah. you know his uh, his Instagram is private. Actually, Zach Pascal, he let me through. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Well, and, and by the way, this is Jody's fault. Uh, <laughs> Jody is the one who ripped Zach Pascal. I think he got me mixed up. Yeah. This was before the. Uh, this was before the uh, the AJ Brown trade. I assume because yeah. he thought Zach well, Pascal obviously. was the only addition in the wide receiver rooms. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't following Zach Pascal on Twitter, so yeah. uh, if he blocked me, I wouldn't know about it. He yeah. probably blo- probably blocked us both, Johnny Mac. It's uh, possible. Yeah. Um, now you bring up an interesting because Jody and I were big fans, are big fans of of Kyle Hamilton as well. Mm-hmm. I called him the best pure football player in this draft. He was. So there is uh, a little bit of. A concern from this standpoint. Now the Eagles weren't interested. We know they don't take safeties that high in the draft. They've never taken a safety in the first round. But when these types of things happen, and I go all the way back to Brandon Graham, and you know what Brandon was selected, Earl Thomas was the next on the board, and then it was Jason Pierre-Paul. So for years it was like, oh, the Eagles could have had Earl Thomas. The Eagles could have had JPP. And then everybody fell in love with Brandon. Now everything's fine. But, you know, if Kyle Hamilton turns into what we all think he could turn into, um, that could become an issue in the coming years. Even last year, Victor, you know, it's sort of in, in a sleep right now because Justin Beals didn't play well last year. But if he ever turns the corner in Chicago, um, and the Eagles passed on him, mm-hmm. there will be revisionist historians coming out of the woodwork. Um, any concern the Eagles made the wrong decision should have taken Kyle Hamilton. Uh, 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 maybe in the immediate future because they need, like, uh, there's an obvious hole at safety, even though some believe, so some people are higher on Marcus Epps than I am. I think he played fine in, in the role he was in last year as a starter. I, I'm not sure, so we, we have to see what the Eagles end up doing there. I, I wanted him mostly because the, the hole was there, and I felt like we could have gotten by another year with the defensive line depth that was currently on the roster. Um, but long-term, like Kyle Hamilton is going to be, as we project, we project him to be the, the playmaking safety uh, for the foreseeable future for the next eight to ten years. And Jordan Davis, depending on his like conditioning and what kind of player he turns into, if he turns, if he is only a guy, 
that only plays what is it 40 50 percent of the snaps and kyle hamilton is is playing every down and making a yeah. difference for baltimore then people are going to be upset about it um so but knowing the eagles they'll they'll keep their depth on the defensive line they'll make sure there's a stout rotation there regardless of of what happens but from an impact standpoint there's a very good chance that hamilton could be uh could make the bigger impact than, than jordan davis all right uh, let me ask you where you've been heading off to on what gambling websites you've been checking out. Uh, everybody's got the ones that they play if you're signed up for multiple ones. Um, right now, the Cowboys are still the wagering favorite on most outlets to win the NFC East. How big a difference is there between them and the Eagles? Is it something worth looking at if you believe the Eagles are actually on paper? Your belief, and there may be some rooting interest behind it, the team that can win the NFC East this year is at a worthwhile look. Yeah, I, I thought the Eagles had a chance at the division even before the draft. I thought they they even with the addition of like Kaiser White and uh and, and Hassan Reddick, I thought they made some good moves to make some headway in the division. And the Cowboys got worse losing Amari Cooper. I know that uh 20 million a year at the time wasn't feasible, but then you look at the way this wide receiver market fell. <laughs> And then you start to look at it and you're like, well, 20 million maybe probably wasn't that bad for, for Amari Cooper. Um, who did they lose? Was it Randy Gregory that like faked them out yeah. and like and yeah, like faked right. them out and went to Denver and and that whole thing. So they, they took a few steps back and um, we don't know what Ezekiel Elliott's going to be. He's de- declining basically every year, but they still have Tony Pollard there. Um, but they still have the best quarterback in the, in the in the division, in my opinion. So as long as Hertz takes the step that we all that we all hope he takes and that the organization hopes he takes. Then I think the Eagles can can win the division, especially with the uh, with the pieces that Dallas lost this offseason. I I you mentioned if Jalen Hurts takes that step forward, Victor. What is yeah. that step for you? Because I think people don't realize this is it, man. After this year, you got to start talking extension. And yep. Yep. I say all this time, you know, if you take Jalen Hurts and what he did last year, um, so. Pro Bowl alternate, uh, made the playoffs, mm-hmm. solid season. Mm-hmm. That's worth $30 million in the NFL. Today's now. NFL, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think the Eagles want to pay $30 million for that. So it's a really, really difficult decision because I always say this about Kirk Cousins, and I'm going to start saying it about Jalen Hurts. He's probably better than your quarterback, meaning mm-hmm. he's top half. But is he ever going to get to that top 10 where you could say, okay, we can make a legitimate run at the Super Bowl? And, and how does he prove that other than making a legitimate run? Well, from, from an extension standpoint, especially in today's NFL, right? Like extensions are being given out based on potential rather than production these days, in in my opinion. I feel like they got, gave one to my lot because they project him to be here for the future. A.J. Brown just got paid. They project him to be here until he's 29, 30 years old. Uh, I think if he takes – for me, I just want to see, like, if I can, if I could see uh, – if I can see 4,000 4, passing yards and the eye test is going to play a big role this year too, because you want him to throw with anticipation better. You want him to go through his progressions a little better and you want him to trust his guys a little more, which I assume he will now that he has a big body target in, in AJ Brown. So if you can visibly see on the eye test that he is, he is progressing. And I think he did so towards the end of, of last season, whether that's due to the ankle injury or whether he was literally progressing, we, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but if I can visibly see the progression 
and you want the stats to take an uptick, you definitely want to see more than 16 passing touchdowns. Uh, you hope that he can throw, you know, 22, 23, and he he keeps the rushing offense up. Um, but I think if he can if he can improve his accuracy, and I, I think that 4K threshold is a big deal, especially since Carson was the only one to to do it ever in franchise history. I think I think if I'm right. Uh, so I think that's a big deal for the Eagles. But if the extension comes up next season, I think they're going to pay him based on potential rather than production of what he did in 2022. Because if they're going to pay him based on production, the contract shouldn't be 30 million <laughs> or whatever it's going to be uh, for him for him following next following next season. All right. Speaking of contracts and are they worth it? Um, I've been saying now all week long here on the show. I think the Eagles erred. If and I. No, let me put it correctly. The Eagles might have gotten shortchanged. Honey Badger decided to sign with the Saints. Mm -hmm. Now, he may have wanted to go home. It may have been the deciding factor. We know what the contract was. Three years, 33 million, uh, 16 guaranteed. So it's Mm -hmm. not a three-year deal. It's more like a two-year deal. And the Mm -hmm. second one would be a little bit of a costly uh, uh, dead cap hit, but not outrageous to a team that ate 33 million with Carson Wentz this right, year. Right. Not like they've never done it before. They could have done it again. Now, I don't know if he would have signed here anyway. We know they had a virtual meeting with him. He met actually with the Saints. And it may have been a foregone conclusion that the homeboy was going home and he wanted to play <laughs> in Louisiana. And if that's the case, there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Other than maybe offer him a little bit more. Yeah, I and it. I think he got market value, not tremendously above, not tremendously. If the Eagles had to outbid the Saints, maybe it would have gotten into territory where you would have said that's a uh, a higher than average contract. How big a deal is it that uh, the Honey Badger signed with the Saints and not with the Eagles seeing as it seems to be those were the two teams it came down to? Yeah, I was I was shocked at the contract. Personally, I thought he was commanding much more than, than that. So when I saw. Is is this market value, John, for 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 Matthew? I, I assumed he was going to. Well, be I at think least at like his 15. age, you know, it, it's interesting because I always say uh, Tyron has he's not even thirty; he's going to turn right. thirty. He's up. Uh, I Still forget his when prime, his birthday right? is. You'd like to think he's played a lot of football, Victor. He's yeah. he came very uh, into the league at a very young age. Um, he he's rarely been hurt, so. There's a lot of tread off the tire, as they say. I've, I've heard a number of times people say he's not the same mm. when it comes to speed. So things happen quickly in this league. I'm mm-hmm. surprised he got his, a three-year deal, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I thought he would be more in the two-year range, and I thought the Eagles probably only wanted to give him one year. So they oh. were probably not in the conversation, much like Stephon Gilmore, same type of thing. Right, uh, Eagles would have been in that at one year for a very cost-effective price, but that's sort of how they do business. The Eagles want to be in that range of 25, 26. That's who they're going to pay, mm-hmm. you know? Substantial that's money, the guys. Yeah. That's the guys who are going to pay. And Jody brought this up the other day, so I'll bring it up to you. Mm-hmm. Chuck Clark, mm-hmm. 26. Um the Ravens, we just talked about, they drafted Kyle Hamilton. They signed Marcus Williams. They paid him a ton of money. And that's sort of the range the Eagles were in on Marcus Williams, young player, still regarded as an ascending player. Chuck Clark, 
Why not Chuck Clark? Not the big name, not the honey badger big name. Joe Banner calls it the big name trap with guys like, <laughs> like, like Tyron Matthau. Chuck Clark make more sense for the Eagles on the trade market. Yeah, he certainly does. I broke down some um, some uh, safety options not not too long ago, like on, like did some video stuff on Instagram and things like that. And Chuck Clark is an intriguing option because, like you mentioned, um, they gave the bag to Marcus Williams. They brought in Kyle Hamilton. Um, I know Baltimore sometimes likes to run three safeties, so we'll see how how they yeah. plan to to do that. Um, but when you look at Chuck Clark, Philadelphia native, I believe, and they did move Hollywood Brown. So, like, whatever the situation is with Rager, like, if that's a landing spot. Oh, can you get – wow. Now, <laughs> so, that would be some magic if Howie so, could pull that off. So that's If you're going to throw Rager in a pick at him and get and get Chuck Clark, a guy who hasn't missed a snap over the last two years, a guy who's been the on-field signal caller for them the last two years, and he still has two years left on a, on a team-friendly deal. So, it's ideally still under contract. He's under he's under team control. It's a team that moved a speedy receiver and Rager. They, they, need, they need options. They have Rashad Bateman. Mark Andrews, like there's not other many pass catching options over there once you move Hollywood Brown. So they, they're you know, in a place where uh, they can take a risk on Rager and may, maybe get rid of uh, the odd man out at safety. Here's here's the problem with that. If you're going to trade a pick for Chuck Clark, it'll probably be around the third. Third is what if I'm saying. If you add Jalen Rager to the deal, it probably goes to a second. <laughs> you got to pay somebody to take Rager. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's what we're looking at here. So uh, Now, you brought up Jody before. And Victor brings up a good point. You know, Chuck was that leader in the secondary. The Eagles need a leader on defense as well. Mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. That's a good bit. That's a good bit. I don't know if the Ravens want to get rid of him because he's a yeah, good Yeah, I player. didn't need it. When I, I, when I first so. put I it out there, so. I had no idea <laughs> no. if they had any desire no. whatsoever to move him. And they may not. I have not seen his name floated out there as a oh. trade room or anything along those lines. It just was a figure thing to me because yeah. they've got two new safeties. Yeah. Both the they love running three, though. Stars. Clark is the yeah. perfect like third guy for them. So I, I wouldn't yeah. be shocked if they decide like not to move him at all. But if right. they do, can't, can't find better options. Because what are the other options? You have Tart from San Francisco who dropped the pick in the NFC Championship game, you have like Deshaun Gibson he, is out is there. Isn't he the midfielder for Ted Lasso's team? <laughs> yes, somewhere. he is. Jamie, oh, okay. uh, Jamie Tart. Jamie yes. Tart. Yeah. I get confused. Football, football. <laughs> sometimes I get yes. confused. I apologize. But you have Gibson, who's 31 and is on the back end. Landon Collins is a post-June first cut, but he's like oh, a linebacker Landon. these days. Yeah. So Big name trap with him. Landon Collins. Yeah, yeah. and you he's been to two NFC East teams. You, you don't really want to deal with a third. Um, so like the safety options are getting slim. So is it the Marcus Epps and like Kayvon Wallace show? And then you look at CB2. Are they going to run CB2 by committee with like Tay Gowen and McPherson and some of these uh, undrafted guys with Josh Job and uh, Goodrich? Or do they entertain guys like Rhodes and Trey Waynes who are both banged up and no Gannon? So like the shoe fits, but like the secondary needs some attention unless Sirianni likes the young talent he has, which I'm inclined to believe he does. I, I I put this to John yesterday, so I'll put it to you today, Victor. Um, and John actually uh, corrected me. He said, no, Jody, there's no such thing as cross-training in the secondary. You're moving. <laughs> if you go to another position, they make the decision. You're A or B. You're yeah. not A, B. You have to pick or choose one of the two sides. There's a few guys. Malcolm. Malcolm played everywhere. Well, Malcolm, yeah, a, well, they had to. They had no yeah. option. <laughs> yeah. There's a very few. It's not like the offensive line where they specifically, mm-hmm. you know, get, uh, try to cross-train. That's what I was trying to But right now, as per... The guys who are on the roster, they have about 42 cornerbacks mm-hmm. and four safeties. <laughs> yep. So I'm just looking at quote-unquote DBs and going, which of the many <laughs> cornerbacks that they have 
that they had on the roster before the draft and the undrafted free agent signings, which they signed several cornerbacks and three of them, one one safety. Um, Maybe there's one in the group that could be genuinely moved to the safety. If it's got to be a hard and fast move and you can't cross trade them. And John tells me they just don't do that. Okay. I believe you. Uh, Who's the most likely candidate of the present day rostered cornerbacks who can get some times and maybe make a switch in position and open everybody's eyes at safety. Yeah, well, I'll tell you who it's not going to be because I see like fans screaming for like Maddox to move there, but they paid him to like be the nickel guy, like to be the long term solution there. So why? Why cause two problems? Then you got nobody to play nickel. Yeah, exactly. Like, what is? I don't understand. But you know, fans get they want to, you know, they want to they want to shift positions and plug holes. And but I get it. He has the range and has like the 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 playmaking to do it. But he's he's the solidified Mm -hmm. nickel there after he struggled on the outside. There's no sense in moving him when he finally figured out who he was. So let's not let's not do that. Um, if I had to pick one of these guys to play safety that's currently on the roster, that's not like a solidified safety, I would probably lean towards. And I know this is kind of a reach because they are undrafted guys, but but Job and Goodrich probably have the most talent, like raw talent, as far as playing playing that position because Job has done it in college and Goodrich yeah. has done it to an extent in college. And Job was supposed to be a, a fourth rounder, I believe, but then he had foot surgery in December that kept him out of the college playoff game. And he did struggle a little bit in uh, in 2021 because he played most of his career across from Pat Sertan. So <laughs> once he leaves, it's an adjustment period. And Goodrich has some skills too. Um, so if they're going to battle it out there, if they're not going to be, you know, cornerback two or what have you, I would try one of those guys out at safety and see if they stick. Yeah, I I, I saw a number of scouts sort of project Josh as a as a safety. Mm-hmm. So he has a build probably, for it. Yeah. yeah. That's probably a, a a good name. I did ask the Eagles specifically: Is he coming in as a safety or corner? They said corner, but yeah, well, you know, that could change know. after this weekend. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll get them in rookie camp and switch yeah. them all up. And a lot depends on you know who can they get. Maybe if they get James Bradbury, they start. Yeah, you know, they yeah. start thinking about moving guys. Um, or if they get a safety, you know, maybe they yeah. don't think about start moving guys. So there could be a domino effect there i do think you're going to see a veteran defensive back at some point like yeah. last year when we you saw need to. We, that doesn't mean yeah. he'll start but you know well guy in here and they need somebody to start they do because they need they need a veteran presence whether mm-hmm. it's on the back end at corner as we saw with steve nelson last year what if slay goes down like what happens like well, we're, don't even we're in say trouble. that Oof. yeah that's something like you have to think about these situations like if god forbid i know he's an yeah. iron man and he plays through a lot of stuff uh, yeah. But if he goes well, down, even last year, Darius had, I think, concussions two concussions and the yeah. whole bit. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, so you start getting worried about concussions as well. He's turned what 31 now. Like, like father time waits for nobody. <laughs> like, yeah. The decline yeah. will happen at some point. Well, That's I'll end it there issue. with you, Victor. And, and before I do follow uh, Victor on Twitter at the Philly pod, you can read them at the Liberty You can hear him on Fox Philly, the gambler. Um, it, when you talk about uh, the draft, we'll start it, we'll end it there. You, you, you've got difference makers, mm-hmm. but you lost volume. So when we all had the Eagles with 10 picks and we said, well, they're going to take a running back at some point. They're going to take a tight end at some point. They ended up getting Grant Calcaterra. Uh, they're going to take a corner. They're going to take a safety. 
any concern that they didn't have that volume on day three? Were you happy with the the undrafted guys? Because they spent some significant money. You brought up Josh Job, uh, uh, the kid from Clemson, Carson Strong, a quarterback, mm-hmm. Kennedy Brooks at running back. They had a big undrafted free agent budget. Did they get enough quality day three type bodies? Well, my my one knock against the Jordan Davis stuff, like when it happened, was that they gave up like what was like four picks, like two fifth rounders and like a later pick just to move up two spots. So when I saw it, I was like, that's, that's a lot of, of capital to move up two spots. I said that too, Victor, when it happened. But then I realized, okay, at 18, they needed 101 because my actual prediction in Sports Illustrated was they would trade uh, 15 and 101 to get up to 13 to take Davis. Mm. So the only thing I got wrong was the package. <laughs> but then they needed that 101 pick to get AJ Brown. So then mm-hmm. it made more sense. But they did lose volume. They yep. did lose volume, and that that part could be a concern. Yeah, that's why. That's why I was indifferent. I'm I'm a little better about it now because like, who am I to argue against? Like Jason Kelsey's like handpicked people, but like I was indifferent about the cam jurgens thing because and i know that like booth was off the board and brisker was off the board so whoever you did take in the secondary was likely going to be a reach at that point but i was so focused on on secondary in the second round that when the jurgens pick happened i was like oh why are we like what is what is going on here but then you get um mentally i like flip the nicobe dean and the jurgens pick in my mind and then like it helps me mentally set at ease a little better um, but I think that the undrafted guys are very are very good value because Goodrich got a like bigger deal than most undrafted guys get, I believe. I think they spent like decent money. Oh on yeah, him. yeah. So that's not a guy too many undrafted guys get. So you like to believe he's going to carve out some type of role on this team. So if it wasn't for them like jumping on like three undrafted corners within minutes after the draft, I know they got the the uh, the quick hit out of Duke. I forget his name, Blackwell. I think Charles uh, Josh Blackwell. Yeah, yeah. They got him. They signed a. Uh, uh, Jerry Howard out of Towson yesterday. He's a he's a big bodied back, so they got some options. But how they got many a power teams? forward from Penn State coming in to try out a power like basketball? Like yeah. never played football before? No, he played football in high school. Oh, I was like, <laughs> well, they're really they're yeah. taking some um um like unconventional routes this year. Like Devin Allen, like what are your expectations for him? Is he gonna stick? Like what's he gonna be? <laughs> yeah, now I gotta get his name real quick. It's uh. For all you college basketball fans, it is John Harr, H-A-R-R-A-R, News uh, 6'9", 240, Penn State power forward, coming in to try out as a tight end, as a tight end. You look excited, Jed. Well, I know who wants him to win a job, the headline writers around the city. Because horror show writes itself. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait to make the first one. Last thing for me, Victor. Uh, John and I debated this a little bit earlier. Will N'Kobe Dean here in year number one play more snaps at middle linebacker or outside linebacker? Uh, but he's an off-ball guy, right? So for the most like, he's he's... <sighs> Well, we have to see like like how confident are we that like he's fully healthy. Number one, like right. I know no, he I'm said saying it. when he's on the field, don't know how many snaps he's going to play. Oh, gotcha. I think he's going to stay healthy, but when he plays, more middle or more outside? Uh, I'll give him middle because he's the he is legit like the he was the heart of the Georgia defense, and I think Kaiser White will be better in an outside role. I think Nicobe Dean will play more snaps in the middle linebacker and sort of T- command. TJ gets no love, man. 
Yeah, he's he's the guy you forget about. I'm a DJ guy, but sorry, he got trumped. They got the the best middle linebacker in the draft. What are you gonna gonna do? do? Snit him? I you know I'm I'm a Davion Taylor guy personally. That that undrafted label follows guys like wow (laughs) to an unfair degree. He's tied to Alex Singleton. That's why. I I got to cover John Randall, man. I'm like, at some point, you gotta drop the undrafted stuff. I, I, you, uh, I, I'm an Edwards guy, but I'm just the bigger Nicobe Dean guy. What yeah, as you as you should be. Like Edwards is fine for like when you had Alex Singleton and like Nate Gary here. Like, of course, now he's now as the third All linebacker. Right. I, I'm, I'm going to change. I always say Marcus Epps is the most disrespected member of the Eagles. From oh yeah, the fan bases perspective. He deserves I'm the start next year. Yeah, well, right now. Mm. Um, but if they bring in Chuck Clark, no. Oh yeah, but. No. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna shift that to G, TJ Edwards. TJ oh, gets man. no respect, man. None. Good football player. Good. He's player. the third best linebacker on this team now. Uh, Unless you're not a Kaiser White right. guy, do you not I'm, like Kaiser I'm, White? I'm, hey, you know I <laughs> like Kaiser. I like Kaiser, but you know, one year, the contract tells you a lot. Well, I think contract he's underrated too. He's he yeah. has yeah he has he has an arsenal. Well, I don't want to say definitely arsenal. he's definitely athletic. Um. And he's the type of linebacker the Eagles have been looking for, sort of the modern linebacker that can cover former safety, former rover. But, hey, nobody cares about run support in this league. Nobody. (laughs) And certainly not in May. I tell Jody this all the time. And then they get to December, and they're like, oh, we can't stop the run. I wonder (laughs) why. run over. What's going on? (laughs) If you ask Jalen Rager who's the most disrespected Eagle, he'll tell you Jalen Rager. I'd be very shocked if he's on this roster. I know, John, you probably know some stuff I don't, but I would be very shocked if he was here next in these coming months. He's still here. He and Andre Dillard still here. Everybody has him out of town. He tried to trade him during the draft. He tried to move him during the draft. How he's playing hardball with Jalen? He wants something. In return, that, um, that might yeah. be good luck with that, John. I do have one one question for you. As far as the linebackers, because you have Kaiser and Kobe Dean, two guys that I haven't seen like cover as much ground. I'm probably disrespecting Michael Kendricks a little because he could move. Oh, right? Michael could move. Yeah. yeah, he could move. So he was he probably could cover some ground. But like other than him, what was the last? And I do have a hot take after this. But who was the last linebacker you've seen cover some ground like in the in the way that Kobe Dean can in that defense? Here, Michael. Yeah, Michael. My, yeah. I said it when they drafted. I I think when they signed uh, Kaiser, Michael could move. Yeah. His brother too. His brother's maybe the Eric? best coverage. Yeah, linebacker in the NFL right now. Oh wow. Um, but yeah, Michael Michael could really really run. Um, but uh, Nicobe's more instinctive, way more Eric. instinctive than than Michael Kendricks. That's here's, here's my Nicobe Dean stance. He's a slightly smaller, because I know you got to say that, because otherwise if I make the comparison and I don't put the qualifier out there, people will kill me. He's, <laughs> yes, they will. He's slightly smaller Jeremiah Trotter. Oh, that was my hot take. You stole it. You and stole we, we know how good it. Jeremiah Trotter was, but Trotz was a big guy. Trot was, was a huge guy. Trot was, was downhill. big dude. Yeah, he was a legit Run, yeah, he was a run support guy. Yeah, that was my, hot take. my hot take was that if the medicals check out and he stays healthy, he has a chance to be the most impactful linebacker here since Trotter. That's it. I'm living by it. I'm dying you by I, it. You and I together on that one, Victor. <laughs> Victor, appreciate you coming on, bud. We will certainly get you back on again. Did a good job today. Thank you much. Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you soon enough. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for having me.
You Thanks, got it. Rick. Victor Williams from Fox Sports, The Gambler, and The Philly Pod here with us on Birds 365. All right, Mac and Mac coming back. We're running out of time, so it'll be a quick bow on the show. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Android TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. The big story on action. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. In Philadelphia, we celebrated the miracle with pride only five years ago. And then the following morning, IBEW Local 98 members went back to work, building this city, rescuing our communities from decay, and inspiring the young men and women of the region to take pride in who we are. Like the cats, Local 98 members believe in hope. To learn more about who we are, what we do, and career opportunities with Local 98, visit us, ibew98.org. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. Glass is for cocktails, right? It's for this, this, this. And that. Is the length of the glass equal to your... You betcha. But is it made out of... Glass? Okay, but is the rim... Smooth? Will you stop doing... That? I'm the professional here. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. All from the company that's highly awarded. Zero cars, zero sugar, and deliciously tasting vodka. So good, it just disappears. All right, Mac and Mac guys coming back to put a bow on the show in this episode of Birds 365. And I don't know what it is about that commercial, John. We we see that stateside commercial. I love that commercial. Several times every I love single the, I love day. That commercial. And every time when the guy goes to the tie when he gets caught having a cocktail when the day is supposed to be over. I'm sorry, it makes me smile. I, I love it. I love it. I that should commercial. be so effing tired of that commercial by now. But it makes me smile every time I see it. But that's uh, another story. All right. Other than having a stateside vodka, what do you got planned for this weekend, McMullen? Eagles rookie camp. I got I to gotta run down there pretty quickly after we get off the air. Um, excited to see. Now I'm more excited to see Josh Job than I was before. 
see that. See Josh Job. Different way to look at him. See uh, uh, Kobe Dean playing middle linebacker. Uh, you should notice. Well, I'm, I want to see Kobe on the field. Yeah, hopefully he's on the field. Howie oh. tells me he's going to be on the field. He says he's going to be on the field. He's on WIP yesterday. He says, I don't know where they're coming up with all this injury stuff. I'm good to go. Uh, yeah. So that should be exciting. All right, I'm heading up the parks. I'd invite me, I'd invite you to come with me, but no, you got to get down to South Philly. I'm going up north of Philly uh, to parks. We're having a racing seminar. All right. Kentucky Derby run for the roses today, 1230 to uh, 12 to noon to 2.30. I will be giving out winners, including uh, in. Yeah, I was picking your brain for some winners myself the other day. Well, you can if if you're so motivated. Uh, the wagering outlet right across from the uh, Eagles Workout Center is taking advanced yes. derby wagering today. You yeah. couldn't have bet it yesterday, but you can bet it today if you want to get down on the Kentucky Derby. And feel free to listen to, listen to your partner's advice. Well, I'm certainly not taking my advice, so it, it's all on you. Go, go, make, hope, go make a couple of bucks. Right. We got uh, a couple of long shots. If we, if There's a chance we're not going to hit. If we hit, we'll hit big this yeah. weekend. Well, I'm counting on you, Jody. All right, I'm, McMullen. This I'm is count- all, all Jody Mack. That's all. It's Mac no, at, no. Yes. They've been calling me Mack at the track for 40 years, and there's a reason for that. Uh, partner, I say, yeah, we do this again next week. You up for it? Let's do it. Another productive week in the books, Jody. We'll be back in two and two. That's days, that is. See you Monday, everybody. You've been listening to Birds 365, the destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It seems more and more high-stakes decisions are ending up in my hands. While still of the challenge, I worry some decisions might not get the attention they deserve. Working with Aon means I've got their whole team in my corner. With advanced analytics and expert insights that put things in the right context. It's the gut check I need to stay on top of it all. Better decisions. Aon.